Welcome to the Midlife Midsters podcast, your podcast for inspiration on being bold and saying yes to making the most of midlife. Today, we're actually just going to have a conversation and we're going to talk about inner wisdom. The um, title of the show actually is something a little nifty that I think Leslie Ann came up with is the wisdom that lies within. Anybody want to start? I actually have to credit that to a guest that we had who used that phrase uh, and it really struck. You remembered it. I, so did Marla. <laughs> we, I think we both were. We wrote it down. Yeah. yeah we we've actually down. been chatting about this this week. It started out on Tuesday, but we've talked about wisdom before. And, uh, but inner wisdom, I think, I don't know from our guest speaker, actually, I felt like it was a little different than wisdom. Wisdom, because for me, inner wisdom, I find it so aligned with intuition. What are y'all's thoughts? I think so, but I but there's also a conscious level to it. I mean, yeah. to me, it's it's intuition that you tap into with a little bit of thought and experience and experience. Absolutely, experience, right? I don't yeah. think we can have. I mean, where does your intuition come from, right? Where does your gut instinct come from? It comes from life experience. It comes from relationships that you have with other people. It comes from, I think people who inspire you and who you see as wise and taking in some of what they do or how they act that adds to your inner wisdom. Right. I looked up the um, definition of wisdom, just basic wisdom, and it actually is moral standards plus IQ, intelligence. That is the definition in the dictionary of wisdom. And so when I thought about that, that's true. I mean, I, I definitely see that. Some people are more wise than others. But like Marla was kind of saying, I do think it's by experience as well. But inner wisdom itself is kind of like this gut feeling that I pull from everything we just talked about. And I use it a lot. As a matter of fact, we had just a few notes and Leslie Ann wrote on there about, and maybe you can talk about it, like in motherhood. Oh my gosh, in motherhood, you draw on your wisdom all the time. And it is, a lot of it is is intuitive. But um, it's things that you get from other parents that you then apply to your own children. Um, and it's just love, right, that that makes you make choices that are very positive and outward looking. Um, I, I think one of the things I would say about wisdom is it's I ironic to me that often the people that think they're wise in that textbook definition, IQ plus. I know, moral right, standards. Moral standards um, aren't really that wise at all in the way that I would use it. Um, and I think the parenting example is a better example of, of what I think wisdom is, where you you sort of see someone and you see what they need and you respond from a place in your soul that's open to sharing experience. Does that make sense? You know, it's almost like if we did use the wisdom definition of moral standards, IQ, adding a third emotional IQ. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a little bit what you're talking about as well. But I think the people is more. Yeah. When I think of wisdom, inner wisdom, I just think more of sort of seeing and understanding the world and your place in it and the place of others in it and being able to bring that understanding to your interactions and relationships with others and to your transactions in the world. And, and so when I, I said, you know, some people who think they're very wise, they may be very book smart. They may know a lot of things, but if they're not really conscious of their true place in the world and don't see themselves for the complicated humans that they are and everyone else for the complicated humans that they are, they really don't have much wisdom. I think that's, that's true. 
interesting that you say, I think as I've gotten older too, you start to recognize patterns. So I would always say to my kids when they were younger, you're just as intelligent as I am, but you don't have as much experience. So those things that hit you so hard when you're younger can still be difficult as you get older, but you kind of know, I'm going to get through this. It's going to be all right. You know, I, it'll either be all right or it won't. <laughs> it's sort of, you, there's a much more acceptance, I think, that happens as you get older. I also think as you get older, come to accept your own relative insignificance in the universe, which leads to wisdom because you don't, you're not so caught up with self like you are when you are younger. And I have found that incredibly freeing because I'm just not as worried about me, me, me as I was like in my 20s, for example. I have a child that's about to graduate from college and launch into the world. And she's very smart. She has a very high IQ and EQ. And I just watch the struggle of launching into the world and realize that it's just that lack of experience and so not that not understanding the pattern yet and not understanding that she will make her way and uh i i, I really feel for her because i'd rather be in my 50s than in my 20s <laughs> i agree it's a time right now i think wisdom also it can be i hate to use the word skill but I think we become, we can become more wise if we're mindful right. and we just think about our lives. We think about other people's lives. We sit in it. I saw that you had mentioned that, Leslie Ann. And I think that we can hone in a little bit of our wisdom for ourselves and for others. But I think there is a skill piece to it. Well, I think it's that notion of um, what you just touched on, human nature right? It's really paying attention to how people act. Um, and so it's not, you know, wisdom isn't knowledge, right? Um, alone, being smart isn't necessarily being wise. And so I think that those combinations of factors add to it. And then again, right, you just said, I'd rather be 50 than 20, because you have that inner wisdom that that is directing you on a daily basis. That's changing how you look at things. It's changing how you act with friends. It's changing how you act in the workplace and what your motivations are. And then people look at you and think, wow, you're really wise. That's sensible. That's thoughtful. It's not how I might have thought when I was 20 or 30. You know, you use the phrase sit with it. And I, I, I want to sit with that for a minute. Um, someone who I thought was very wise years ago said to me, you just have to learn to sit with it. And I truly did not comprehend what that meant. At first I thought it was meditation. Okay, I'm supposed to meditate, sit with it, right? But that's not really what it is. Sitting with it, as I've come to understand it, is, is really about letting things happen, watching them happen, allowing them to happen, accepting that they are happening. And understanding your emotional response to those things without the need to immediately jump in and man them so that you get to know yourself better. You understand how you react in different situations and what you're bringing into a particular moment. And you can take a pause before you actually act. And to me, that's the genesis of wisdom. It's creating that space where you're not just reactive, but you're allowing yourself to, 
to bring up the knowledge that you need to be proactive. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, it's, our, it's I, mindfulness. Yeah, well, and I read that in your notes, um, Leslie Ann, as we were preparing for this, and um, I am not a Buddhist. <laughs> I'm actually Christian, but there's a lot in the Buddhist tradition about that, about observing your own thoughts and stepping away from it. And I thought whoever gave you that advice, I was a little jealous because she gave it to you a lot earlier than I discovered it. But I know what you're talking about, that feeling of like, wow, I'm really uncomfortable and I'm just going to sit here and be uncomfortable for yeah. a while. And it, it's weird though. It's weird how the discomfort morphs into a kind of growth that allows you to see things a lot more clearly and that that has been a revelation to me in middle age that I just I couldn't grasp when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Also, I didn't have your resource who was telling me to <laughs> to sit, sit stew in my own juices. Right, the therapist line: feel your feelings. <laughs> right, right, right. right. And, and accept that they won't break you. Mm -hmm. Right, I think mm -hmm. that's the thing we're all afraid of. It's like, oh my god, this feeling is so big, mm -hmm. but you can actually withstand it and be reshaped and reformed by it in some new way. And then grow even more wise. And grow more wise. I think ways we get wise as well as I've gotten older, I feel like I just listen more when people talk or have conversations, listen to their perspective. And sometimes I'm just in awe of how they wrap their head around something in a very different way than I did. And me understanding like that perspective and really thinking about it, it makes me think of other things and try and be wise in other ways. I don't try and be wise, but I try and open myself up to different perspectives um, and looking at things differently and listening. listening. Well, and that's why travel, adventures, the things that we enjoy doing are really important because when you put yourself in a different place, right, physically or um, with different people than you would ordinarily be, you start to see a different side to things. Like the more I travel, the more conscious I am of how alike everyone really is. Right? We all want the same things. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. People want food on the table. They want loving relationships. They want to do something meaningful. We're all alike. We may speak different languages, but we're not different. And that is a piece of wisdom, right? They will even see that in the same country, right? Yeah. You don't even mm -hmm. have to travel to to see that. And I think that's actually something very wise, Leslie. <laughs> but just because I've been very conscious about that just in the workplace or in our world about um, how you, and part of it is because I've been reading the book Cast, but how you look at people differently based on attributes, labels, social standing, jobs, where they live. So even in our own country, even in our own community, I think that what you're saying, we're all individuals, we're all humans, we're all equal in that we are children, parents, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, mothers, you know, that that does connect all of us. Exactly. In a very powerful way. And And the adventure piece of it, you know, it's kind of applying that to ourselves because when we go out and do things that are outside of our comfort zone or that push our boundaries, we start to see where the common things in ourselves that we bring to all these different situations. So it's a way that you get to know yourself better. Like, oh, I can actually draw on this piece of myself that I only ever use when I'm, you know, at home cooking. It's the same kind of organizational skill and the same 
intuitive sense of what things go well together when I'm doing this other activity. And so you get to sort of see yourself differently. And knowing yourself, I think, really is the heart of wisdom. I think that when um, when we're together, when people are together and we have these deep conversations, when people ask me questions and I have to just like think about it because I haven't asked myself that question, it really allows me to think about it and become, I guess, wise to myself um, of pieces of myself that I did not know. And I love that. So wisdom does come with age and experience, but I think you have to be open to kind of go into that whole different level of allowing these emotions, your thoughts, your experiences to stir a bit, to open yourself up to thinking more and maybe different perspective and things that you hadn't thought about before. I love having questions asked to me that I'd never even thought about before. And I think, yeah, that's totally true because I think that's, I think that's why you see old people who are not wise and old people who are wise. <laughs> I think the ones who are not wise are the ones who keep trying to perpetuate the things that made them who they were in their younger years. And that, I mean, there does come a time and I've seen this a lot. There are people who somewhere in their mid forties, you kind of go one of two ways. Like one of them is you keep trying to do the same things that you always did. And it just doesn't get the same results, mm -hmm. same emotional habits, same physical, ha whatever it is. Usually it's bad emotional habits, but I see the people that really shift and change are the ones who embrace the aging, embrace the questions, sit with the emotions, examine their own motivations, see how they're changing. And when I look at older people that do that, those are the ones I want to be. <laughs> Me too. You know, when you were saying about like having people ask you questions, one thing that I think I have been very conscious of as I've gotten older and, and feel very comfortable now, um, when I was younger, I felt when somebody asked me a question, I was expected to give an answer, mm -hmm. especially in the professional field. If somebody asked me a question at work or about the work that I do, I have to give an answer. I have become much more comfortable acknowledging that I don't necessarily know the answer and maybe I don't have to answer that. And so I will say, that's a really great question. You know, I'd really love to look into that. When you find out what the answer is, let me know. I'm curious, but I don't have to be supplying an answer. And sort of to your point, Carmen, I think what happens is often people just think they're supposed to speak and that's what makes them wise. They say whatever they, you know, whatever comes to their mind it may, may or may not be pertinent but they're not giving themselves the opportunity to actually grow and learn something because they're not acknowledging that they don't really know the answer. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not know the answer. Mm -hmm. Well, I also like the questions that um, you have to ponder a little bit. Like if I'm telling a story or something in my past and somebody's actually like, well, why did you make that decision? Like what drove you to do that? I like those questions. I do too. I do okay, too. So here's a question for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Looking back, is there any decision that you made in your life that you now look at and think either was very wise and you didn't realize at the time that it was, or was very unwise and you wish you could make it over again? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Oh, I, I think if there was any, uh, well, this is a kind of a big one. I chose to go into nursing. My mother was a nurse. I felt like it was a means to an end. I love science. Had I just gone into college thinking I have no idea what I want to do 
and really spent, I had to, you have to apply to nursing school your second year. If I just thought of options, I would have done like journalism, photography, something else more creative. So I don't regret my decision because I am a caretaker. That was in a different conversation, but, um, and, and I am a nurturer and I think it's helped me grow and I have enjoyed it, but I don't know. I would not make the decision of that career path right now at 57. Mm-hmm. Carmen, you were going to share. I, yeah. So one of the wisest decisions I ever made was marrying my husband. And I don't know how I was smart enough to do that. <laughs> Meaning like I had some really bad boyfriends and he's a really amazing husband. So I don't know how I broke that or what, how I was so smart to make that decision. What I would do over, I would have treated my career very, very differently. I still would have been in business. I love business. I really do. But I chased something. um, And my career was often deeply um, anxiety producing and troublesome for me and difficult. And now I'm still in business, but I'm in a different phase of my career. And I enjoy it a lot more. Um, And I really would not have done all of maybe I would have maybe it was just the age I'm not sure that I could look back and change it but I would not have been so striving and I don't want to say ambitious because I was ambitious and I own that and I'm totally comfortable with that but there was something about it that had to be painful and terrible and I would not do that again I would have enjoyed it I think it's interesting because even I'm talking about nursing you're talking about business and maybe it was meant to be. So going back to me being nursing, I don't know that I would have made the decisions I did for one of my family members that needed me to be in the medical community. Is it Maya Angelou who said, when you know better, you do better? Or was that Oprah or the two of them talking together? But I think that's true. Like you you do as well as you can with what you know. And the benefit of getting older is that you know better. (laughs) Yeah. But then I'm sure I'll look back at decisions in my 50s and be like, "Ah, I shouldn't have done that either. (laughs) Think, what about you, Marla? Yeah. What about me? <laughs> any dis- What was the question again, um, Leslie Ann? It was a good one. Are there any decisions that you made that when you look back on them, you, you realize they were particularly wise, even though you didn't know it at the time, or particularly unwise, and you wish you had not made that decision? So my unwise ones um, would be stupid, youthful mistakes that I made. And, and, you know, that's not a question of being wise or not that's just a question of being young and I think probably everybody at this table and probably everybody listening to us could share some stories and um I won't um (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to talk to my friends from college for those stories oh Um, that's mutually okay you just gave me a mission I was about to say that's mutually assured destruction ours are all in the cone of silence because we could all blow each other up um a, a wise decision that I made, I, I can't think of anything specific. I think that career-wise, I think the wisest decisions I made were just lucky. No, not lucky, because Gloria Steinem once said, fortunate, not luck. Um, good fortune, opening myself up to opportunities and really having a career where I had opportunities that presented themselves to me at the time and perhaps what was wise was I knew to jump and I knew as as somebody once called it a Tarzan approach 
when that vine came in front of me, I knew to grab onto it and to go with it. And so perhaps that was the wisest personal decision. Um, one of the things that I kept thinking about as we were talking is, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Maybe wisdom is in the ear or the eye of the, mind. Of the beholder, right? That that we don't walk around saying, oh, I'm so wise, or I just said this thing that was so wise, but that it's people talking to us. It's people sharing back those experiences. So, right, I don't know what wise decision I made or what wise advice I gave to somebody, but I know that there are people who would say, oh, yeah, I remember when you told me X. That was just, you know, I don't even remember telling them that. Um, but I think that's a really key piece of wisdom is the recipient. What about you, Leslie Ann? Any things that, that you did that were super, super wise and you didn't realize it at the time or yeah, vice versa? I think the, the, the main one really was that when my kids were um, five and two, I stopped working for a while. I didn't work for like two years, two and a half years. Then I ended up working for Marianne's husband <laughs> um, after that. But I learned something really important about myself from that experience, which is I did not want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I think being a stay-at-home mom is a wonderful thing. It's a hard thing for people who can do it and want to do it. I think that's fantastic. I could not do it. I realized that I needed something else. But I also realized that I did not want to go full steam ahead with my career, that my children were really very important to me. And so then... I had to find a situation that would work, that would give me the balance that I wanted. And thank God for Robert, who hired me part-time. Um, and I eventually went back to the U.S. Attorney's Office on a part-time basis. And, you know, it meant readjusting what I thought my goals were twice, right? So leaving work, like I'm going to step away from the career path I thought I was on. I wanted to be a judge at one point. And then I decided I didn't want to work that hard because it would be too take me too far away from my kids. Um, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. And then, nope, don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> Got to go back to work. <laughs> um, and it's no slight on my children. I adore my children, but I could not be home all day. You need balance. I needed balance. And I, and, I, and I figured that out because I made those shifts. And I was really glad that I did because when I look back now at my life over the last 20-some years, I'm content. You know, my, my college roommate... Um, I saw her about a year and a half ago. She said to me, should I remember when you wanted to be a judge? What happened to that? And I was like, you know, that was just something I realized I needed to let go of. And letting go, realizing when you need to let go of, go of things, that's a piece of wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you say that. Maybe I wasn't as dumb as I thought I was just listening to your story because I had this crazy executive career that I gave up when my kids were going into high school and middle school. Um, because it really wasn't sustainable for me. We had kind of made it work for the family. My husband did a lot of the primary care of the kids. We had a nanny when they were little, but I realized that like, wow, there, these years are completely passing me by. And the other thing I realized was that a nanny can change diapers and help little kids, teenagers, that is not to be outsourced to anyone. <laughs> and it turned out, so I started my own business when my daughter was going into high school and my son was going into middle school, which to a lot of people might sound like more work, but was actually about half the amount of work that I was doing before that. Because <laughs> I was, you know, I was like premium on the airlines and flying all the time and board meetings on San Francisco and stuff like that. And so 
that was actually a really wise decision because I was around and I worked out of my home. So I was around when they got home from school and it turned out to be probably the one of the wisest things I ever did. So thank you for reminding me of that, Leslie Ann. There you go. You know, as we, I was just thinking about your story and thinking about age and wisdom. And when I was younger, I was always drawn to people that um, were up to some shenanigans every once in a while. I'm a rule follower. But throughout life, we're drawn to different people and want to be around different people for different things. Sometimes, you know, it's because they're a great parent and you admire that and you like the discussions and so forth. As I've gotten older, I am totally drawn to people that seem wise, that can have those conversations. It's a very attractive, positive pull for me to them. So I think when they say, as you get older, you get wiser, there's a beauty in that. There really is. There's an element of calm, I think, to people that are wise. And I think it's because they're very settled in themselves. And when you talk to them and get advice from that, it, it just kind of makes you feel better. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. you were saying something earlier and it made me think about self-assurance maybe as a quality to a person who is wise, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's that confidence and the reassurance that they give off, again, back to the wisdom is, as giving and receiving. I tell you, I can't get enough of that 94-year-old uncle because he's like that. He just is very self-possessed. And I want, even at 94, I always enjoy talking to him because I learn something new every time. And he's very reflective about what life's all about. Very wise. Now I find um, humor in the younger in younger people that actually think they're so wise. Me too. And you're just looking at them and like, <laughs> you're like, that's you hilarious. Just wait till you're in your 50s and you're going to consider anybody your age wise. Do you, I do but remember. They are wise in some ways, but it's kind of, it, there's humor in it. I Generally do, not in the way they think. No, no. I do remember <laughs> my mom's 50th birthday party and saying to her the next day, I really wish I was 50 because you're just so much more comfortable in your own skin. <laughs> And now that I'm 50, I'm like, yeah, I was right at 25. <laughs> it's true. So I have a question, right? What do you think you would say to young women today, some wise, sage piece of advice about how to live their lives? Get off of social media and stop torturing yourself. That was one thing I would say to them. <laughs> Trust your gut. And I would say, get to know yourself, like really get to know yourself. I wish I had done meditation. I don't do meditation now in the, in the, in the traditional way, but I like to take my camera. I love to be out in nature. I do my walks or runs um, and just think about who I am, what type of person I want to be, how maybe I can change the world. I don't think I've changed the world, but just being a better human being. I think I... I would tell my younger self or a younger person is focus on the character of the person that you want want to be more than probably career or the way you look or what you're going to wear. That would be my piece of advice. I think that's great advice. What about you, Leslie Ann? I think I would say be aware of yourself, but don't take yourself too seriously understand that other people may see parts of you that you don't see try to learn from that um and just be open to the fact that the broader culture doesn't always reflect what you believe and you have to figure out how to navigate that 
It doesn't mean you can't press for what you believe, but you have to work within the constraints that are in front of you. Um, I do think that some young women now are very idealistic. I think that's a great thing, but you have to temper that with a little bit of realism because you can't get anything done if you're only idealistic. That's true. Well, the other thing is authenticity. Like, I think we're all pretty authentic here, but I remember sitting at work one time. I was actually at a school and doing a, a um, care plan, and they had these little quotes in the morning for the kids, and one of them said, um, be yourself, everybody else is taken. I was like, wow, I like that. <laughs> and it's about authenticity, and that's another piece of advice, I think, and I would give some wisdom. Uh, so, so I did think of another besides trusting your gut is um, about picking your friends. Mm -hmm. And that's been a theme that we've talked about before. But that's I think one. for young people, um, not waiting until you're a midlife midster to be able to think about how do you spend time with people who energize and fuel you and who are good for you and not take the time to spend with people who don't make you feel good about yourself or provide stress in your life that isn't positive. And I think that especially for younger women, you are in a very um, transient time of your life where you are meeting new people, you're holding on to friends from childhood, from college, and then you start meeting people in the workplace, you start meeting people when you have a family and you meet people through your kids. But to begin to think about what kind of people do I want to associate with and being able to have the confidence and to trust your gut to pick wisely. I also kind of wasn't kidding about social media in the following way. It is really important to be able to do all these things, to have enough space in your head mm. to be uncomfortable. Um, if you're hitting that dopamine machine every minute and not actually sitting in discomfort, it's very difficult to know what you feel about things, what you think about things. It's also completely unrealistic. If I were 25, I'd be on social media all the time as well. It's unrealistic to say don't do it. But I do think there is uh, an element of learning how to be bored, how to be uncomfortable, because that's actually where the greatest growth in your in yourself comes from. Um, and to be with, other, to Marla's point, to be with other people. So, you know, get off your phone, go hang out with your friends. I agree. Well, this was a great discussion. You can find us at AmericanMidsters.com. Thank you.